Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Now, Ben and I are joined by a very special guest today, and that's the one and only Chad Kirchner. Say hello, Chad. Hello, Chad. <laughs> Chad is another automotive journalist, and you can find his content at The Drive, as well as Autoguide.com, just like me. You can find my work at Autoguide.com and its YouTube channel. And then we've got Ben, whose work is all over the internet. Ben, why don't you give me one of the publications that you've recently been featured on? Uh, you can find me at Automobile Magazine. Automobile Magazine, geez, just to name drop that big one, just, huh? Just, Speaking yeah, of you know. name dropping, what you guys don't realize is this is the 11th take of this intro. <laughs> uh, because Sammy had he, he had a lot of he has these different personas he wanted to try <laughs> and this is the one that works the best so I liked my gangster take we're gonna, we're gonna have a good clip show at the end of the year the, the uh <laughs> I was hoping for coal miner Sammy. But, you know. <laughs> I was hoping for blue eyed crooner Sammy. That was the one that I was into. <laughs> A little bit of British soul. <laughs> um, this time we're going to talk to you about some cars as always. And actually we've got some pretty cool performance cars to talk about. And that's why we brought Chad on the podcast because he's driven one of the coolest performance cars I can think of. Chad, tell me about this, uh, this snake themed uh, car that you've driven recently. Okay, I was I was going to say something smart about your intro, but I'm not going to. Um, instead, just say that I drove the new Shelby, um, but not but not the new super duper Shelby. So, so it's like the um, half, the half Shelby, right? Yeah, this is like this. Yeah, it's, well, yeah, because it's the 350 and not the 500, so it's technically what two thirds, two thirds Shelby, hmm. Shelby, something like that. But Anyways, my fa- my favorite Shelby, I think. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, it's frequently uh, commented as one of the best Mustangs you can get. Is yeah, that still the case? It's better. It's gotten oh. it's gotten noticeably better. Um, now I know because we we ran down the show before we started recording, but I know that you're going to talk about um, another Mustang, Sammy, that you're in um, right now. And um, the gap between that car and the Shelby is now much wider. Oh wow! Um, in, in in a very good way. So um, obviously, we're going to talk about Mustangs this whole episode, pretty much. Um, so. So buckle in for some America. Stay but, off um, the cur- stay off the curbs too. Like, <laughs> yeah, stay off the curbs. Take a avoid, step back. <laughs> avoid the, look out crowds of people at cars and coffee. Um, you know, look out. But all right, so uh, Shelby GT fifty. Um, so everybody's talking about the GT five hundred, which debuted what back in Detroit. It's going to be yes. more than seven hundred horsepower. It's going to be an automatic only. What a seven speed DCT. Going to be bonkers, crazy, you know, whatever. Uh, also coming out this year, though, is a refreshed. I, it's probably fair to call it a mid-cycle refresh of the 350, which is the flat plane cranked uh, 8200 8, RPM redline mm-hmm. uh, track. Kind of more of the sports car, track car kind of combination. Now, um, in, your, in your mind, what needed to be fixed or changed or improved on the GT350 yeah. for this refresh? Like... I'm for me. There wasn't a lot about the car that I didn't like. I think that uh, one of the most surprising things about the car was, from a straight line perspective, it doesn't have the low end torque that you would kind of expect from a muscle car. But yeah, it was it oddly asked you to rev it out, and that's not usually what you what you ask for in a V8. Right? But I, I liked that personality shift. So, Chad, was there anything that you were kind of hoping they would fix for this this refresh? Well, I wasn't really sure what to expect because if you look just at the spec sheets not much has changed um 
they put new tires on it now <laughs> as so it had um pilot super sports i think um it's now on a special version of the cup two tire um which actually is technically different than your average cup two um okay. their uh, their chief engineer uh, carl Woodman, explained it to me he's the the ford performance chief engineer and i I guess I understood it, but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, because because I made a comment to I made a comment to him that Cup twos in the rain are terrible, and he said that these are engineered to be a little bit more bearable, though still not probably the best pouring down rain, not hydroplaning kind of car. But I'm getting way into kind of technical details. So okay. what's changed? I like sports cars. Um, I've never really been a big like just dedicated muscle car fan. Of course, I like going fast in a straight line. Who doesn't? But um, one of the cars that in my in my car ownership history that I adore and I regret selling was a, a Honda S2000, which um, was an 04, so it was the second gen of that. So it revved out to 8250. So the same red line is actually what the Shelby does too. Um, I like engines. I like sports car engines that make power sort of higher up on the end that you kind of have to thrash. So that was always sort of like the appeal of the GT350. Yeah. Um, I would say that it was, I would say it's hard to say, but I would say it was a little rough around the edges um, when it comes sort of like to the at limit driving. It never really scared me, but it really kind of felt like this is a dedicated kind of track car where like the performance pack two Mustang um, spoiler alert. I felt, uh, <laughs> Is definitely more with the sports car focus. Something you buy to drive on back roads and enjoy, mm-hmm. then maybe once in a while go to the track. Mm-hmm. So the changes that they made to the GT350 um, was the tire. So they increased the grip with the tire, and as a result, then they had to change sort of everything else. They had to address, readdress the aero. They had to address suspension tuning, things like that. So what they actually ended up creating was a faster car that is also even more docile even more predictable even more approachable um it doesn't it, it is it's the one mustang that i've driven that even like at the limit doesn't feel like it's gonna necessarily bite your head off oh wow um and they've been getting better they progressively have been getting better um i love the bullet sort of as an everyday driver's car um that you don't go to the track with but if you uh, the suspension tuning like on normal roads and stuff is actually what's really incredible. Um, the Magna Ride, the Magneto Rheological suspension system, um, is uh, tuned really well, and they sent us down some really crappy roads because hey, it's Michigan, and <laughs> it absorbs it absorbs the bumps and stuff really well. Um, I was actually in an MTU competition at the same time, and the Shelby rides way nicer on yeah. on normal roads. Do you and, think, do you think part of that's wheelbase? Um, I think some of it helps there for sure, because uh, that M2 is definitely short. But uh, it doesn't seem to crash over the bumps the same way. Uh, it it just it, it actually feels like a car you could live with every day. And okay. um, this is the GT350. You're saying, yeah, yeah. And, and then did you drive? Also, did you drive both the R and the regular one? Uh, they only had the um, the the regular one there. The R does not receive any updates. Okay, so it's still the the carbon fiber rims, and so it's wait a minute, no updates at all. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's no the updates oh. were to the so the updates were to the base version of that car, which then moves it a lot closer to the R, and yeah, separate separates the gap between the the PP2 and then the GT350. So, so to me, that's really interesting because there's a an almost a seventy five hundred dollar. Actually, I think it's an eight thousand dollar difference between the GT350 and the R. 
And mm. I can understand wanting to move the base GT350 and put that needle a little higher so that there's a reason to upgrade from the performance pack too. But mm-hmm. do you think they just weren't, Chad, selling as many R's as they had planned and so it doesn't? they don't really feel like it's going to interfere with R sales to move the regular base model closer to that vehicle? I, I mean, I, I don't have the – Ford doesn't break down individual sales numbers that yeah. way. Um, so I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a good theory. Uh, I don't see many R's on the road. Um, and nor would I expect to. Uh, yeah, they had they had Cup two tires, for example. I mean, it's just you know, it's a it's not a car that you can even really build in the winter in Michigan, let alone drive it. So yeah, because yeah. um, that was the thing with the PP two. They had the, they didn't they didn't delay the launch. But when I saw the car embargoed, I saw it in like November, October, November, and it wasn't going to go on sale until the spring because. Where they build the car in Flat Rock, it freezes. So mm. they couldn't actually have cars sitting outside or on car haulers with these tires at, in those temperatures. That's a really so, that's a really interesting point. I mean, that's a logistical thing that I think a lot of us don't necessarily think about from a production perspective. And and something I wondered too, when you know, there's all the hype about the mid-engine Corvette that's coming and how it's been delayed and delayed, and now we're getting a midsummer launch. And does that mean sales are going to start in August at the earliest, maybe? And then you only have a few more months before you can you start hitting weather where maybe you don't want to have these cars on lots or, or transports. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I. I, if if I was a master of logistics, I probably wouldn't be doing this. But wow, um, subtle shade for the unnamed automotive podcast. <laughs> no, not this. This. But, you know, anyway, I digress. Um, Let's. Uh, I want to dial into some of the details uh, yeah. on this brand new GT three fifty. So I I saw that there's this interesting little. I, it's described as a gurney flap um, on this vehicle, which is a which is a little spoiler on the pack. Is that correct? Yeah, so the stock sort of GT350 doesn't come with it, but you can check a box for, I think, the sport package or the handling package. Oh, of course, because the track-focused Mustang needs a track package in addition to it or a sport package to go with it. That doesn't make any sense, man. You've heard this before. I hate it. There's going to be a a button you have to push for the gurney flap to rise out of the back of the car. (laughs) You know, that would actually be kind of cool. The G button. It's no, it's apparently far more involved, engaging than that. Isn't it four bolts you have to attach and detach? Yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. No. <laughs> anyway, so the, the arrows improved um, all the way across the car. So they brought us into the wind tunnel and showed us, hey, look, this is where we did this. This is where we did this. Um, here's the benefits of having a gurney flap on there. So um, it just adds more downforce at speed. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but okay. um, they were able to increase downforce numbers because – they have better grip and better grip allowed them to adjust suspension, which means they could adjust the downforce. And um, we were at M1 Concourse, which I don't know if either one of you have been there. Um, it's not really a downforce track. You don't have a lot of time to, you don't have a lot of space to really get up to speed. Um, so I don't know if I was able to really tell the difference in the aero stuff. But um, I think the I think the changes are greater than the sum of the parts, and it's it ended up being a real fun car to drive. Um, okay. So the so there's uh, some new like I said there's new aero tweaks uh, new tires um, new suspension, suspension tuning, yeah. yes suspension calibration tuning um, the interior is pretty much left unchanged the front end is actually um, very similar so the uh, Shelby the GT350 and then also the upcoming GT500 is using the uh, 2015 through 2017 Mustang front end okay, okay. Um, so it's still using the quote unquote old style HID headlights instead of the pointier LED units on like on PP2 and on bullet. 
And is there, uh, what was they had the, all these leftover front ends? What happened? Uh, no, yeah. they get to um, the uh, just to get an exact quote. Uh, there's apparently a carbon fiber bolster in the front of the GT350, which is sort of a mounting place for all this componentry. Um, and they needed to be able to retain it because they needed a certain amount of airflow into the engine. And the redesigned front fascia doesn't flow as much air and then also the headlights themselves if you look at the unit like on the pp2 sammy that you're going to talk about um mm-hmm. it actually sits taller up the, the back end of the headlight sits taller up mm-hmm. so they would have had to fit a taller hood and they would have basically they would have lost some of their air characteristics because of the headlight change that's really so, that's really interesting you know it, it's it's kind of speaks to the delicate balance that designers have with production and also um, sales figures because let's say this is a car that sold in huge numbers. You can bet that the redesign would have taken that into account. But because it's a lower volume car, they have to work with what they have, and it's it's an interesting choice to because I think some people are going to look at that and say, oh, it's a cost cutting move because they didn't want to redevelop a front end. But really, it's not that at all, is it? Correct. Um, because I mean, they have the redesigned front end already; they could use it. Um, but inside, there are you could possibly say there's some cost cutting done. Um, it doesn't have the, uh, not even as an option. It doesn't have the full digital instrument cluster. Oh, wow, um, that's okay. the the official engineering slash marketing speak is this is supposed to be more of a dedicated you know sports car kind of track car. So we didn't want to load it up with su- superfluous stuff. Um, okay. However, it had Sync Three with navigation, and you know um, you can get it still with dual. Heated and cooled seats. So I mean, it's that's a little. That's a bit of a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, it's a bit of it's yeah, a bit of it's, it's a bit of a stretch. Though. You know, right. Snappy can't see analog numbers, right? Like, so that means it's hard for him to drive this car. Yeah, to hold his he has to hold his finger out the window and judge wind speed. Yeah, <laughs> so that's awkward. How I, do it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, people are always thinking I'm waving at them and stuff, but no, I'm doing some very advanced well, uh, mathematics with my. With which my which brain. finger are you sticking out your window, though? That's the real. The it changes question. depending on which one is. Oh, yeah, okay. depending on barometric pressure. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're only so you're only flipping people off sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, we've uh, the, the GT350. So, yeah, yeah. So the 500 will get the digital instrument cluster and all of sort of the the advanced tech. But uh, so the, it does feel like there's maybe a little cost cutting inside the car. Um, and it's a sixty. GT, it's but, a sixty thousand dollar car. I mean, yeah. you'd really expect oh. to have the digital stuff in and, there. And I do. Um, and I would say that if you're going to buy this car to drive every day, uh, skip the Recaros. Um, really, they're great. They're great on the track. I mean, they really are great on the track. But I like heated and cooled seats. Yeah. You know? No, I hear you. And I'm kind of fat, so you know. <laughs> It's the reality of the situation is the regular seats are more comfortable. And I think they're bolstered enough on the GT350 that most people will be happier with it. Okay. Um, though, though the Recaro seats work really well. Um, they're, just, they're just all manual adjustment. And they're all just – it's – who, who has the time? Who has the time? <laughs> well, if you're swapping drivers, let's say you share your, your car with your significant other or you have a partner that um, you know is, uh, goes to the track with you. Like – you switch drivers, maybe stuff like that. Maybe you just want the memory seat. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's, I could see reasons for not wanting to go with the Recaros, but okay. um, that's if you're going to live with it every day. If we're going to pull it, you know, if you were just going to go to the track, yeah, get the Recaros for sure. Because this car is fast. I mean, it's, but it's the, the improved driving dynamics are really what was surprising. Not that the old car drove 
poorly, but this feels like such a much better put together car. Um, for really, you know, not really that much money. I know sixty grand is a lot of money, but it's just weird. I was I was in that M two at the same time, and I adore that car. Absolutely adore it. And me and to, Ben both love the M two as yes. well. I mean, it's a car that we have a difficult time arguing over. And uh, yeah, and it's just it's so good. It's a it's it's all these things. Um, but it's almost the one that I was in was like eight grand more expensive than this. And then, like, if if I care about you know, if I did, if I care only about back road driving, um, and then a smooth ride back and forth to work, like, I'd probably buy the Shelby. Wow. Um, do you think that this GT three fifty is going to be a collector's item in the future? Um, I would imagine that probably all the the Shelbys will be at some points. Uh, this will be a weird this will be a weird year for sales though, because right. how many people were buying the GT three fifty because it was just the best Mustang you could buy? Exactly. Yeah, uh, that's a good, that's that's very accurate. Because the GT three fifty and five hundred are going to sit on the lot for the first time since sixty eight, I think. So, um, that's a really weird. It's a really weird thing to see, isn't it? Like now you've got this really enthusiast level model, and then you've got this. I don't know what to, how to describe the GT five hundred. It's like the ultimate Mustang that. Well, can... I, it, it's going to be hard until someone drives it because the previous GT five hundred was a handful. Oh, it yeah. was, yeah. It, it felt more like a straight line car rather than an all around. Even of in a straight line car, yeah. it threatened to not be a straight line car. So. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but the, you know, it's, when it comes to value, my brother-in-law just bought a a Boss three hundred two, and oh yeah, oh, yeah. He, and he uh, the prices have remained very strong for those cars. Uh, they're not out of this world, but they're much more than what you would pay for a standard GT of the same era. So it it really speaks to I mean these GT three fifties continuing to hold a similar line. I think. They left the. Uh, they they really limited that production now. Um, That's true. There there have been more years of the Shelby than there was of the Boss. That's um, true. Especially the Laguna, the Laguna Seca, which uh, throwback mm-hmm. to a Ben Hunting story that he wrote on an April Fool's Day one time, <laughs> which was still is still great to this day. Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know what sales are going to do. Um, if people are just buying the Shelby because hey, it's the the best Mustang, then GT three fifty sales are going to dive. Um, if people are buying the GT350 because, you know, they occasionally go to the track and want a good sports car experience, then maybe they'll keep doing it. I mean, the, the GT500 engine isn't going to be – it's not the same. It's not, so they're, no. they're, they're both 5.2 liters, but the 350 is a flat-plane crank. Um, the 500 isn't. Plus, uh, there's, plus there's the manual gearbox factor. Yeah, right. and there's – yeah. Which the which the GT three fifty is manual only. The five hundred is automatic only. Well, I, I can tell you I, at the tracks that I go to, I very rarely see GT five hundreds. It's mostly either Boss or a standard newer GT. So that that's kind of the cross section that I'm seeing, and I do see a lot of GT three fifties. They're very popular. It's 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 kind of what's what's odd is it's mostly for like modern muscle. It's either the GT three fifty or the ZL one. Uh, that I, I see represented most often on a racetrack. Right. That makes so, sense. So I what I drove, though, was the Mustang GT Performance Package 2, or known as the PP2, which is a very unendearing name for anything. It's true. Um, but that's Ford, is, though. Pardon? Just, yeah, that's Ford that, that, That's Ford, though. Like, um, I, was, I just did a story last week about diesel F-150, and you have to have the 302A package of the XLT in order mm-hmm. to get it. Like... What's what the heck is a three hundred two A? It's so right? weird. The popular it's like, equipment package. It's the <laughs> most right. dealer focused like naming naming structure you can possibly imagine. Right. 
And where the G, the GT350 that you drove comes in at around 30, I mean, uh, 59 or, or almost $60,000, the PP2 adds $6,500 to the $39,000 base price of the GT. So it's a $4,500, so, $45,000 Mustang versus a $61,000 Mustang. Yes, generally. So can, can I make one point just before you get into your, your talking sure, stuff? Because I'm, I'm really going to forget. Um, is the PP2 package is actually a deal because if you buy the GT and you want Magna Ride, you have to spec it. So Magna Ride's fifteen hundred two grand. Okay. Um, and then I think when you factor in, I don't know if all the PP2s are the uh, Recaro seats, but basically if you broke down what PP2 adds, um, mm-hmm. you're basically getting the Cup Two tires for free. Oh wow! So, yeah. so it's actually like a, a value. It's it's very interesting this PP2. Um, I thought I enjoy. I actually really enjoy driving it a lot, a lot more than I thought I would. Because every time I drive a Mustang, I come away saying these are great. These are cars with a with nice engines, a good transmission, and a lot of options. But they end up not really fulfilling my sort of sports car desires. They're not exactly the most engaging. They don't seem to have like they they don't seem to feel like they have the most grip. Um, and, and there's just something lacking in terms of. It's overall engagement. But this PP2, I think, is is what I'm looking for. It's a car that seems like it can be capable on the track without really sacrificing the the regular road driving experience. Now, I know you kind of said that with the GT350, and a lot of the features that are in that GT350 are available in this GT Performance Pack 2. So I have the Magna Ride, okay? I have the Cup 2 tire, the Cup 2 tires, which are pretty impressive. In fact, the Cup 2 tires that I have are actually a little bit wider in the front than the Shelby GT350s. These are 305. I have a, a square 305 width setup, which I think is really funny looking. I think, and you know, a square setup is what you want on a racetrack because for two reasons. One, you can rotate the tires and even out wear, which you can't do with a, with a wider rear tire. And two, if you blow a tire or, or cut a tire or something happens, you can swap in a spare. You don't have to carry two spares with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, it's actually really, I don't know if it's humorous or intimidating or what, <laughs> how you would describe looking at a, uh, at a Mustang with these wheels sticking out of the wheel well like this. It's very interesting to see it. It's, it's so, uh, it seems kind of like hacked together, but in this like badass kind of way. Is it like you know a, st- I mean? kind of like a shout out to Stance Nation? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, for sure. Um, my model also has a few uh, optional extras. It has um, the uh, it has Recaro seats, uh, power adjustable Recaro seats. Actually, no, oh. not power adjustable yeah. Recaro seats. Sorry, what? not power adjustable Recaro seats. My right. my apologies. We'll just edit that. Um, <laughs> it has um, what's it called? It has navigation. It has dual zone automatic climate control. It has the digital gauge cluster, which is really cool. I like it a lot because I don't need to stick my finger out and uh, and check for wind speed when I'm driving. It also so has, much safer for everyone around him. One, I agree. It also has an active exhaust, which I really appreciate. Um, I didn't expect to fall in love with this, but this has made me feel far more confident um, walking up to this car and firing it up in a crowded condo parking lot or first thing in the morning and everyone, not everyone is turning around because it comes with a quiet mode, which I think is really cool. Excuse me for, for enjoying that, that, I, uh, little, that I, little thing there. I have no support inside of me for any exhaust with a quiet mode. On a quiet mode. That That's too bad. I mean, yeah. I don't. I'm not driving my car into a library. I don't feel the need for a quiet. <laughs> well, I, mode. That's what I do. I mean, I pulled into the library this week, and I didn't feel like everyone was was going to be upset with me. I know? just, I, didn't I just, to, I didn't don't... have to. I, I got to take off my paper bag 
and wa- off my head and walk into the library without anyone hating me. How know? hard is it to just not hammer the throttle when you're near your when you're <laughs> the near car your car? It's just loud. It's just very loud. All like especially with this active exhaust, it has uh, a quiet mode, a normal mode, a sport mode, and a track mode. Of course, I don't know oh any my of the goodness, differences between that's those. So many modes. <laughs> right, the best setting for that that exhaust is the track setting. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you do have to hit OK every time you turn it on because it says for track use only. Yes. Um, but it's loud. Does, it, does it dump before the the, the uh, mufflers? Is that why it's track? No, use I think it's just it's. Um, I think it's just part of any of the track. Anytime they use the word track, I think it oh, needs to yeah, yeah. pop up a dialogue. But that's why they don't have the uh, manual. Sorry, that's why they don't have power adjustments in the Recaro seats because every time you touch it, it would pop up on the screen and yes. be like track only. Do you accept? And you'd have. Oh, I just want to tilt a little bit. It's right. the same kind of thing. No, it's um. It's interesting though. I like that. I, I like in Sammy's car though, because you can set up a mind Mustang or a my mode, which yeah. is uh, so um, basically what you can do is you can say you always want the track exhaust, but you want comfort for the suspension. Yeah, so well, that's that's what, like with the Veloster N that we talked about uh, previously. It's the same deal. The, the custom feature was really really custom, and then you don't have to go through all these bothersome menus every time if you just want to have a loud car that rides soft, which is what I want all the time. Right, <laughs> I, and I'm the exact same. And the nice thing about the Shelby, though, also this year, it used to be a button. Now it's like a or it used to be like a toggle or something, but now it's a dedicated button for the loud exhaust. So okay. nice. Um. I actually was impressed with the steering feel of this car as well. Um, that's something that I wasn't expecting. Um, Mustangs, I think, have sometimes felt a little disconnected in the past, and I think right now they've really dialed in just the performance um, necessities of this vehicle. And on the road, it's not so bad either. I have only a few complaints. One, it has this ridiculous-looking double-lip spoiler in the front, which looks like it'll scrape on anything. It'll scrape on an insult. It'll, it, it just looks ridiculous. Um, and two... These huge Cup 2 tires uh, tram line or, or follow like, yeah. these invisible lines in the road that make you – you need to stay awake. You need to have both hands on the wheel at all times. Yeah, that's um, hard to deal with your finger at the window. Yeah, so thank <laughs> God it's got, uh, it's got a digital gauge cluster. Yeah, I I didn't notice. Um, I noticed that in the PP2. I noticed it in the GT5 – or I'm sorry, the, the GT350R. Um, but I haven't noticed any tram lining or at least significant tram lining in the – the updated GT350. So interesting. Um, I absolutely love this manual. It comes with the rev matching uh, feature, which is something I really enjoy. And again, um, if you've got the exhaust set on anything but quiet, people will notice every time you change gears, um, even when you're downshifting as well. So it's a neat car, man. I really am impressed. I came away more impressed than I thought I would be. And as Chad mentioned, I think it's a really good deal. You don't have to spring all the way up to uh, a $60,000 shelby just to get the fun riding uh fun to drive version of the mustang but it really does sound like from what chad is saying that it the the shelby is a much more focused vehicle i mean that's i think they're they're trying to bridge the gap between the shelby and the gt the regular gt with this performance pack i think they've done that pp2 um which still sounds kind of dirty (laughs) to say um is was really a skunk works project from my understanding um i love that phrase skunk the, works the um the mustang team just kind of got together and like hey build a car that you would want to drive um and i think that that's sort of how you ended up where you were with that so um th- they did certain things obviously to improve the grip and the wider tires and all of uh and all of this stuff but i don't know if they were really 
I don't think they were really targeting necessarily anything with it. Yeah. Um, okay. Because it because it wasn't like a one LE um, Camaro. Um, because I would say that drives probably a little bit better, um, yeah. at least on track. I mean, I haven't uh, driven. I haven't driven the PP2. Obviously, I've driven the Performance Pack Mustang, and I've I've driven all of the one uh, LEs, and it really is. Uh, I think what you're saying about um, not having a goal <laughs> is right. is kind of no, but I mean, it, it, not not even being flippant about it, but it's it's like here's it's it's kind of like I said, here's another cool Mustang instead of saying here's a Mustang yeah. that will beat the one LE. You know, right, I think right. that that was the Shelby's job. And uh, the PP2 is, is something else entirely. Yeah, I, I don't mean, really... I, I like the PP2, um, but you have to really commit to Cup 2 tires. Like, yeah. And I, they're expensive. And they don't last we, very long. No, they don't last very long. And where all of us live, like, it, it, you, have, you have to want them. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I mean, I, I still think it's a good deal especially if you're going to spec some of that stuff. But I think if you really want something a little more driver's focused, I don't know what the price delta is between the, the Shelby and this, but it might be worth the upgrade. Uh, it's about, ten, it's at least ten to $15,000 depending on, I mean, a, a, just a regular GT with the performance package too, to yeah. a, a Shelby seems so to what's be So what's the sticker on yours? Well, see, I've got the extra options like that, um, like uh, it's got like adaptive cruise control. Mine is actually closer to $51,000, which is a very small difference from, I mean, if you're going to spend 51 grand on a Mustang, it better be the GT 350, right? Oh, well, no, the, the, the GT 50 starts at 61. So it's, it's a pretty, that's a 10,000. Oh, yeah. it's still quite a, diff, quite a big okay. difference. Huh? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, like it'll be really interesting to see Ben because again, spoiler alert for everybody, but Ben's driving a bullet here soon. Um, it will be really interesting to see, what your thoughts are on that and kind of compare those to PP2. Well, I think it's cool that like, I mean, cool is, is a, is a word that has so many meanings, but, uh, yeah, you rarely say cool, Ben. <laughs> well, not in conversation with you, Sammy, but, um, yeah. the fact that Mustang is kind of turning into the nine eleven of the Ford lineup. I mean, we're getting either there's three versions or there's, there's two, there's been two performance packs. There's two Shelby's. Now there's a bullet. There's some horrible EcoBoost performance version that nobody should ever buy. And, and uh, there's going to be a four-door sedan at some point. You know, it's like... And a crossover. Don't and, forget the crossover. Of course. So it's... it's and Ford, the electric car and the self-driving version. So I think it's totally reasonable for Ford to come up with versions that don't necessarily one-up each other, but just kind of do like what BMW does and just fill every single gap. You know, like they open a big bag of cement and it's it's labeled Mustang and they just pour it into all the cracks and then you pick the crack that fits you the best. So are you hating on the Mustang that has the Focus RS engine without yeah. driving it? Yeah, I am. Okay. I am because I because I don't like the four cylinder EcoBoost Mustang now, and I don't see why I would like it more <laughs> if there was more of it. <laughs> Actually, it's important to point out though that there's not going to be any cars but the Mustang in the Ford lineup. I mean, going forward, they're going to they, they're dumping everything but the Mustang, and they're going to focus mainly on e, uh, on uh, crossovers. So all I we mean, have left to enjoy are these Mustangs. So it's great that they have. A bajillion versions of it. And with one fell swoop, Sammy labels the entire Ford lineup other than Mustang unenjoyable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's go through let's go through all the Ford the other Ford vehicles. Really? Only the Raptor is the uh, is the other enjoyable product. Is that isn't that correct? Wow. Raptor is pretty fun. I will I I enjoy my time with Raptor. I'm not a big Raptor fan. Oh what? 
I'm not. Yeah, we have a diff- we have another podcast. Well, <laughs> we talked about that like two years ago, at least. You don't like the new eco booth. That's what I understand. No, I don't like the Raptor on the street because I find it super soft because of what it's designed to do. And so when you drive it quickly on asphalt, it feels like you're inside like a bouncy castle that has like six thousand horsepower, which, <laughs> which is amazing. It can be Yeah, if you could give me a bouncy house with six thousand horsepower, I I want to drive it. Yes, I would want to drive it too. But the 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 government would intervene immediately. <laughs> you know, it's funny though you mentioned. You know, you mentioned the cars and the cars went away. I mean, like internal inside baseball, like the communications team now that does like Mustang and stuff. They're not even called the car communications. It's Icon. So it's the Icon products. It's what? Bronco. Yeah, it's Bronco. It's Mustang. It's Ford GT. They all fall under sort of one communications bracket. And then there's SUVs and crossovers. And then there's Why trucks. Is Bronco considered an Icon product? Because, because it was so good. They were able to put it on hiatus for conservatively 23 years. <laughs> And and not impact the bottom line whatsoever. <laughs> that's, that's an icon. Um, I, I would like to say that you know you talked about Mustang being the nine eleven of the lineup. Um, what really impresses me about modern Mustangs, I mean, like within the past five years, is really how good they've become. Yeah, um, it's it's incredible. And yes. some of them have really different character. Like the Shelby feels way different than the bullets. Um, you know, there's. It, it, ultimately it's the same sort of you know two-door coupe platform but they've done a really i think they've done a really good job at making it more than just a straight line uh cars and coffee crowd killing car (laughs) of course and and you know (laughs) i'm sure that was the number one item on the list they were like hey we need to get off these youtube videos guys yeah there's a somewhere there's a somewhere there's like a slide deck at ford that has just the word murder with question mark after it (laughs) um but to, to add to what you're saying, Chad, also, these cars are very easy to drive quickly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like they're a challenge. Uh, even the Shelby GT350, it's, it's a friendly car. And that's, you know, often overlooked. I mean, older versions of the Mustang, we talked about the GT500 and how terrifying that was. Oh, it was drive, terrifying. To drive. Oh, and God. tiring. It was, it was not just, it was super involved. You had to be, if you took a break at any moment to, to, you know, check for wind airspeed. Um, you would crash the car. It would be ridiculous. Well, the the GT five hundred was the the last gen, so the six sixty two one um, was the car that I've been the fastest in in any car. And um, at a certain speed, it gets really, really, really scary. Yeah, it's the it's probably the car <laughs> I've been the fastest in at a ninety degree angle, <laughs> which is not a great statistic to not a great category to be the king of. If, if you're if you're driving, you know, out the driver's side window instead of out. The yeah, if the shield. bugs if the bugs are hitting you in the face, generally that's a problem. I will. I, I'm a self admitted uh, Camaro fan when it comes to these muscle cars. I think hey, you love the, the look of the you love the look of the Camaro. I don't, don't like the way me? the new Camaro looks. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's actually a shame what they've done there. They what about the Camaro? Out. What about the Camaro versus the Supra, Sammy? Which which one of those beauties is better in your opinion? <laughs> we'll deal with that another time. Oh but I will admit that the new Mustang has really changed my my mind in terms of what is an enjoyable car to have and and drive. Um, all the time, and I used to just think it was the G- the Shelby GT that uh, the GT three hundred and fifty that was the car that was that was the one for me that was the right one for me because I loved just it was performance focused like that. But now you can get this performance level one and two on a on a Mustang GT and enjoy yourself in those products as well. Yeah. And apparently, there's a performance package for the EcoBoost which Ben hates, 
but uh, haven't driven yet. Ben hates with zero experience because that's what professionals do. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the, uh, uh, to echo what you're saying, Sammy, I don't need the car that I like to be the fastest car in the lineup. Like, mm. if you were to look at the Challenger lineup, which I think is, yeah. they are the gold standard for muscle cars <laughs> these days because they're what people want. Everyone, right. oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're selling like crazy. Uh, they're comfortable. They're big. My preference is the Scat Pack cars with mm. the, you know, 475 horsepower. I think that's that's the number. Something yep. around 80, there. 85, Four, yeah. 485. And yeah. I, I don't, Necess- I don't need a Hellcat. I mean, the Hellcat is is crazy, bonkers, and fun, and you know the the ADR and all that stuff, the the wide body cars. Sorry, but uh, if I was to buy one, it would be the Scat Pack, and I don't I care that, that it's not the fastest one. And and with the gel with the Shelby GT three fifty, I think I feel the same way, and that's the one I want. Not because it's the quickest off the line, uh, but I just I like I like the this, the focus nature of it. But I could totally see someone not buying the GT three fifty and getting the performance pack too because of you get the whole muscle car experience. You know, you get yeah. the the crazy exhaust sound and and the great low end torque, and you get basically the same look if you wanted to. If you wanted to add some accessories on, it's not hard to do. So it's and plus you get you know like a digital dash and all that fun stuff. It's this stuff that that's going to be there every time you turn the key instead of the stuff that you're only going to appreciate at you know nine tenths on a racetrack. Right. I don't know the chills that I get when you get past seven thousand RPM though is mm-hmm. is where it's worth uh, a few grand in my mind <laughs> at least. So um, um, Sammy, did did you have more you wanted to say about the performance pack too before we wrap things up? I actually I wanted we actually have a tiny bit of. Free time, and I wanted to free, uh, free time. That's a new section on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Sammy has just adds free time. <laughs> I wanted to um, answer a question that I got from a reader, uh, Blake Swan, who's a, a really good, a really big fan of the podcast, and he always uh, sends me a few no, uh, ideas. Shout out he to wanted Blake to talk a little bit about the CT4 and CT5V, oh, which wow. have uh, recently <laughs> debuted. Do you have any? Do you guys have any opinions on what's been going on with if, the Cadillac? If you, right if you thought I was bitter about the EcoBoost Mustang, <laughs> right? So let me. For people who don't know, Cadillac has have debuted two new vehicles: uh, the CT4 and CT5V, which are I think supposed to replace the ATS and CTS. Um, but for whatever reason, they've attached this V. You know, the V brand to these cars, despite giving them one has 320 horsepower and, and a four cylinder, you know, for, with a four cylinder, and the CT5 V has 335 horsepower from a three liter V6. Sammy, how much time, how much free time do we have? We have as much as, as, <laughs> as you, as much as you want, man. Okay. What have they done here? What have they, why have they done this? They have made a horrible branding mistake is what they've done here. Um, so I own a – for those who are not familiar with, with my personal life, uh, I own a 15-year-old – Well, it's not like you tell everybody about your personal ongoing No, I mean I, but... as, I, with, with respect to my court order, I keep the details <laughs> yeah, fairly exactly. circumspect. But uh, I own a 15-year-old CTSV. I've owned it a very long time. It was the first CTSV they ever made, and it has more horsepower than both of these cars. <laughs> uh, and that's a problem because what Cadillac had done in the past is they had the V series, which was hardcore performance, and they had V Sport, which was their equivalent of M Line or S Line or M Sport, whatever you want to call it. Just more kind of- power to go along with the luxury. Yeah, and and a bit of a look to go with it, and it was it made sense. That makes total sense if you because you know you want to leverage the brand equity that you have in V series, but you don't want to dilute it. 
what they've done now is they've removed V-Sport. It's not going to be there anymore. And they've renamed these cars, which should have been called V-Sport cars, just standard V-Series cars, which is extremely confusing. When you have when you go from 640 horsepower in your flagship V-Series car to, um, I, I think, the, uh, the, the CT6 V, what is that called? With the black, black wing black turbo V8, yeah, it, it, it all of a sudden we have this morass of muddy branding where I don't understand why I'm buying a V series that only has that has less horsepower than any V series in history, and they're telling us there's going to be another V series that will have more horsepower. Just wait, it's coming. So you're going to have two cars in the with the same nameplate that will both be V series that will have different power outputs. Not even BMW tries to pull something like that. At least they add the word competition <laughs> to the what end. I, what I love about it though is we all I mean, they pretty much took a lot of flack on that Friday before the um the Indy Grand Prix in Detroit. And then suddenly miraculously Saturday, two camouflage cars were lapping the the circuit at Belle Isle Park. Um, uh. Like, oh, no, here's our more powerful cars. We promised they were coming. But what was wrong with V-Sport? Like, V-Sport was such a good idea. It made – I mean, I'm not a huge – I don't don't see the issue with it. Um, If if I were Mary Barra, I'm not. But if I were – I, I would just kill Cadillac at this point. I don't think anybody there. Wow. 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 <laughs> and there goes our sponsorship. Put us out of its misery. <laughs> what are they doing? I mean, what right now are they doing well? Well, I like the XT5. Super Cruise? It's okay, Super Cruise, which they're only putting, as of as of this moment, it's only in one car. Um, though, for some reason, it's now suddenly going to be in the, the V ct4 and ct5 or whatever okay. so our really i didn't so, read that so, so our new. so our yeah so our ct6 you know uber luxury sedan all these crossovers that we sell a crap ton of let's not put it in that but it's let's not put even it in, in the our, escalade you know which yeah. is crazy but let's go ahead and put it in you know these not horsepower whatever whatever you want to branded vehicles yeah right. that's a great way of putting it sammy it's you know it's it's confusing at best and at worst it's it's brand suicide for V series. Yeah, uh, frustrating. And, and I don't really think v, I don't think V series had a lot of brand equity to begin with. It was still a very niche product. It hasn't been around very long, and it's it's undergone a couple of transformations with the addition of V Sport. But um, now you've added in, in in fifteen years, it's been rebranded three times. That's not great. I'm old enough to remember when the commercials were in order to be a V series or to be a V car, you had to be able to get to sixty miles an hour in under five seconds. Oh, like man. they actually ran commercials around that. Like that's how you became a V car. Um, so maybe these new ones still technically fall under that fifteen-year-old um, <laughs> that adver- that that slick line that some advertising exec came up with. Who very honestly probably no longer works for that company and may right. even be incarcerated. Right. <laughs> but but see, I really want Cadillac to be better. I want them to do better. Yeah, and I think we all do. I mean, I think they're they're not. I I've, I found their their design language to be pretty nice, um, and I think all they needed to do with the ATS to to succeed the ATS was give it an interior worth a Cadillac name. And they didn't even make it bigger. What's the right. problem with the ATS? It, the back seat is extremely small, which is an issue when you're in a when you're in a segment with both the G70, which has a decent back seat, and the 3 Series, which has a crazy back seat. Mm-hmm. And so now we're given this uh, CT4, which ostensibly is a rebodied ATS with no real stretch on the wheelbase. 
Yeah, and, and I loved the ATSV. Do you not remember how good the ATSV was? I, it, it was. It had so much potential. Car. It's for, excellent a, for a vehicle car. that featured a, a turbocharged six-cylinder instead of right. an eight, which we were expecting in a Cadillac. It was still a blast to drive. Oh, and, and hey, Sammy, does that turbocharged six-cylinder have way more horsepower than either <laughs> yeah, of the new V cars yeah. that yes, were announced? It does. <laughs> It has like a hundred horsepower more, and it also uh, was available with a manual transmission, which I do not think is on the agenda for either of these vehicles. Mm-hmm, but was but you know Ben, you said you know XT5 is. Would you consider that best in class? That would you buy an XT5? I I so I don't think it's best in class, but for me, best in class is kind of nebulous in that segment. I think it's I think it's definitely worth a test drive against something like the RX. Yeah. Uh, or an MDX, although an MDX is a th- is a three row, right? So, yeah, yeah, that's a little bit, but similar size. I I think that there's a case to be made for that car against the best in class, and I could understand why people would buy it. I think it looks a lot better than most of its competitors, and I think the interior on the very high end levels is is extremely competitive, um, but it's also expensive. So that that's right. kind of tough. It's like one of the the only real issue I have with the XT5 is how do I justify spending this much money? on a brand that will not turn heads. Right. And I mean, that's one of the problems I have with the ATS and CTSV is when you see, when you saw them on the road, they were actually very attractive. I, they were loud. They were, they were, they were cool. And I think the people who bought them knew what they were getting in terms of a performance vehicle. And they also were, I think they were, they had like a V Academy as well. Like a, a, yeah, a driving school. You I've actually been, that? I've actually been to it. Yeah. Now, are you going to do this driving school with a car that has, uh, an engine derived from the Silverado, like. That. <laughs> well, I'm not saying that the cars might not be fun to drive. I don't think that's the issue. I think it's clearly the uh, a brand presentation issue. And what do you want V Series to be? And I don't think Cadillac knows. I think maybe we're seeing brand new leadership saying this is what we're going to do now. I don't care what happened before. This is our vision of the product. Right. Okay. Right well, thanks, thanks, Blake, for sending us that uh, that question. Sorry, it's Chad. Cer- you have one cer- more. Well, I was going to say they boiled the blood. <laughs> I was going to say. I was just going to say it'd be like a Hellcat having a turbocharged four cylinder and still yeah. calling it a Hellcat. Yeah, right. it, 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 the Hellcat series. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. Or this uh, EcoBoost Mustang that Ben hates that he hasn't uh, driven. Like if they would have called that a, a GT Sport or some sort of you GT, know GTE for EcoBoost. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So. Also forty eight val- Also forty eight volt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you Man. never know. Things might things might happen in, down the future. Maybe this. Maybe Cadillac's trying to get ahead of the curve here. I what curve? That, what but, curve is that? What are you, what I are you don't talking know. about? I don't know. It's just um, I, I said I don't see a lot of their vehicles outside of like the Detroit sort of area. Like it's it. it I just don't and. Like, you know, I'll get behind the XT5, sure, but this new XT6 or whatever, that three-row that they showed, it has a 100-year-old engine in it, and clearly they haven't seen what Lincoln's been doing at all, and... Well, it could, it could be complacency, right? Like, Lincoln had to do something because they were just, I mean, they were not competitive oh, yeah. in a lot of areas, so they had to try hard. Cadillac was kind of cruising along. Also, no real leadership right now. I, I don't mean, that's insulting to leadership. That's not what I mean. What I mean is they've undergone some changes in leadership, and it's entirely possible that the new crew doesn't agree with the old crew strategy. So this might just be a placeholder product. Well, they've changed They've changed their headquarters, what, twice in? Five years? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. You just, can't just try to uproot people and move them around and stuff like that. It's got to be turmoil. 
And how many ta- how many placeholder products can you really have in the showroom? Uh, this is something you know we we see with companies like Toyota with the CHR where they were forced to have a placeholder product because it had been developed for a brand that no longer existed. But there's nothing in Cadillac's business model that forced them to create a, a, an XT6 that was basically very very average, if if that. Right. And not again, not having driven it. I want them to do better. I just Cadillac do better. Yeah. You can't blame them. You really can't blame them. And I think – I can't blame them because I, I absolutely fell in love with the CTSV and the ATSV of, of yesteryear. And why can't – why don't those things exist? Why doesn't well, that – why isn't I can, that experience I can blame them for taking again? it away. Pardon? I can blame them for taking it away. It's true. Why true. is that experience no longer available? Why were they able to do that so successfully with the last generation Vs um, and then – not follow through did they but, think that that was not good then they that, just that they just they just weren't selling i mean here locally in montreal there was an atsv that had been in the dealership showroom at the cadillac dealer that i go to frequently and in canada it was priced at ninety thousand dollars it was a fairly yes. highly optioned vehicle so you're, you're looking at probably like a, a seventy five thousand dollar eighty thousand dollar car in the u.s it was there for a year a full year Ish. And uh, they they had to throw some really heavy discounts on it to get it to move, and and that's a great car, you know. That's the kind of car that should sell. It, it was a, it was a nice blue color. It wasn't it wasn't absurd looking. Like it didn't have weird options, but it did have a lot of options. And at and at full retail, that was a hard a hard pill for people to swallow. Yeah. Well, thanks again for the uh, for the comment, um, Blake. If you if anybody any of our listeners want to send us a comment or get in touch with us with us, it's very easy to do so. Just head to our website. That's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And once you're there, you'll have access to uh, there's a there's a contact form there, and you can get in touch with us very easily through that. If you want to be a little bit more personal. You can send us an email. You can actually spend, send specifically Ben that email. He's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Holla. And, uh, you can also reach out to him on Instagram. He's at HuntingBenjamin. Or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And, and Chad, if people want to get a hold of you on the, uh, the interwebs, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm still confused how the feedback form is less personal than an email. <laughs> considering that it's considering that they're both emails but well um, some people some people don't have web access no. <laughs> they're telnetting they're telnetting and gophering into this podcast so we wanted to offer them every option I, um, I don't know when you write an email there's like a dear ben but when you go to a contact form it's just like hey i read i listened to your podcast and and it's so, terrible. I, I've written, I've written, dear whoever in contact forms before. Wow, but, you're so but generous. I, I just, I, you know, I know there's a human at the other end. Well, not at all, but but it's 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 an illusion we foster. Right, right. <laughs> um, but no, thanks, listener uh, Blake, for you know writing in. Um, for me, uh, uh, Twitter is a good place, um, which is just my name. It's C H A D K I R C H N E R. And then, yeah, actually, that's probably the best way. Just send me a tweet, DM me, tell me how terrible I am, tell me why Cadillac should live. You know, things like that. <laughs> no one's sending you that message. Don't worry about that. Um, oh, additionally, if you head to our website, you can easily subscribe to our podcast. There's a bunch of buttons at the top with uh, access to your favorite podcatcher like um, Apple Music and uh, Google Play Music. And and that's all, that's all one, changing Google now, Podcast. right? Like the, are they changing it to Apple Podcasts? Isn't that happening soon? I mean, it, yeah, doesn't, affect, it doesn't affect anything on our end, but, uh, you know, changes, 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 I guess, important. Uh, Spotify is there too, right, Sammy? 
Yes, Spotify as well. Okay. Yes. So be sure to click on one of those, subscribe, and you'll get next week's episode where we talk about, I get to talk about the new Mercedes-Benz GLC, as well as the Porsche Macan, uh, specifically specifically the S, which I drove. And Ben, what are you going to talk about? Um, I am going to talk about the Toyota CHR, which oh, is cool. a, uh, we, 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 we hinted at it in the last podcast. We're just pushing it ahead one podcast. Um, but it's a vehicle that I find very confusing, Sammy, and uh, kind of looking forward to getting that off my chest. And then okay. just, just, just to put out there, Cadillac, please get the new Escalade right, please. <laughs> okay, you heard it. You heard it here first. Chad's desperate pleas for Cadillac's corporate <laughs> governance to hit a home run. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank well, you thanks again, Chad, for for joining us this week on the podcast. Yeah. Yes, thanks very much so. And thanks to all of our listeners. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye.